Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to episode 43 of the Feeling Good podcast. And today we're going to be talking about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD as uh, it's uh, better known. Um, but before we get to this, I just wanted to make sure, David, that uh, you could uh, put in a couple announcements for um, you have uh, some intensives coming coming up this uh, uh, July. Yeah, the uh, that's the best teaching of the year, and I'm going to be doing two uh, four-day summer intensives. They're similar, but a little bit of difference. I'll explain. From July, uh, let's see, 17, 18, 19, 20, I'll be in Ban. Ban, and that's 2017 Canada. for those who are listening two yeah. years from now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, hopefully, I'll still be around two years from now. <laughs> I hope doing so, yeah. another one somewhere. But that'll be up in Banff, Canada. That's apparently a, just a fabulous uh, vacation uh, area. And uh, the four-day intensives are always my t- best teaching of the year. Uh, it gives I can attest to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it gives you a lot of chance to practice techniques. I'll demonstrate techniques, and then you can practice them in small groups and get feedback. There's also will be uh, videos of uh, dramatic therapy sessions, excerpts, so you can see people changing before your very eyes uh, quickly, people who have had uh, years of, of suffering yeah. uh, after horribly traumatic events. Uh, the one in Canada is, is nice because there's no evening sessions, but typically we end up with the volunteers from the group who want to go hiking in the evenings. Mm-hmm. This gives people a chance for getting some personal one-on-one time with yeah. me doing personal work, case consultation. They're, they're really fun. And then from July 31st to August 3rd, uh, I'll be doing one in Burlingame, California. That's yeah. the uh, South San Francisco summer intensive. And that one is great because there's evening sessions. Uh, so you get extra practice time, more live demonstrations. People from my Stanford uh, Tuesday training group will be there to help out yeah. uh, with the small group uh, exercises so that that's that's pretty much the and, event of the year and you still do some hikes by the by the bay shore and at lunchtime yes we may we may have time to to fit in some hikes there too now if you're interested in the banff one uh, you can call jack harosi and associates i don't have his uh, website here but you can find the link on on my website yeah. on the workshop page but if you want to call him toll free uh, uh, for information that's 1-800- Four five six five four two four. Now the one in Burlingame, California, is sponsored by IAHB.org, uh, and you can go to their website or link to them from my workshop yeah. page. Or if you want to call them, it's eight hundred two five eight eighty four eleven eight four one one. Okay. So to summarize, uh, we have July seventeenth to twentieth, twenty seventeen in Banff, Canada, and we have July 31st through August 3rd, 2017, in South San Francisco, California. 
And uh, both of those you can find uh, under the workshop page on feelinggood.com. Perfect. Great. So moving on to today's topic, uh, I think that today's topic is quite in line with the series we just did on the uncovering techniques because we, we did the uh, downward arrow, the individual downward arrow, the interpersonal downward arrow, and the what-if technique. But there was a fourth uh, technique that we didn't really discuss very much, the hidden emotion technique. But you're going to fold that into talking about OCD today. Right. So I think this is quite in, in the sequence of what we did before. So um, what is OCD? Uh, right. Well, OCD is, is one of the more unusual uh, forms of anxiety. Uh, OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder, and there's generally two components to it. And most people are familiar a little bit with mild OCD in our own personal lives. The obsession means that the person gets an irrational thought that they can't get, get out of their brain, some you know frightening thought. It might be mild, like you put the letter in the in the mailbox, and then you have the thought, "Well, gosh, what if the letter didn't drop in all the way?" Yeah, uh, that's and you start worrying, and yeah. then the person won't get my letter. Or what if I didn't put a stamp? Or yeah, all that kind of stuff. Or what if I didn't put my return address and it's going to get lost? And you know it, all that. You know? Yeah, and so then the compulsion is a ritual that you that you get involved with to try to undo the anxiety yeah. to to relieve yourself and so you might go and check and open the the, the, the mailbox there and make sure it has fallen yeah. in and you may even get to doing that two or two or three times yeah. uh, and that's called that's called the compulsion and the compulsion is actually kind of an ad- addiction actually because the com- the ritual you do to un- undo the obsessive fear mm-hmm. it, it it gives you temporary relief and so then you get addicted, addicted to, to doing that. And uh, I've had a lot of OCD patients that I've, I've, I've treated over the years, and, and we can t- talk more about it. But uh, one of the things that OCD patients, uh, you know, are terrified of is, is that someone would hear about their symptoms and, and laugh at them. And I have to confess because they know that it's irrational, but yeah. yet they can't they can't stop themselves. Yeah. 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 And uh, but I have to confess that uh, every time I've had a new OCD patient who, who described their fears and their rituals, it, it was hard not to burst out laughing. And that probably <laughs> makes me seem like an insensitive, you know, horrible psychiatrist, a horrible human being. But it there is that humorous component. But to the person who's suffering, it's it's oh, very it's horrible. Not, that's very, not funny at all. Yeah, very very real. But we'll give some examples. But let's read these questions. Yes, because uh, we we have uh, some listeners who who wrote to us on that. Very topic and that will guide uh, how we uh, respond back to this. Uh, The first one here is from Rajesh who says that um, he's he's asking whether OCD can be cured 100% because he says uh, it also seems to be organic and uh, he says I have seen it uh, very hard it's very hard to get rid of some compulsive rituals for a patient with OCD. he, uh, he also says, um, you know, I know exposure techniques work, but uh, there's a relapse as well. And uh, besides, the patient might like some motivation to work on their compulsive ritual due to some benefits that are perceived. Um, so that's one of the the questions. Another one comes from um, um, Onkar. 
and uh, he says that he was diagnosed with OCD in uh, reading your book. And what's the first name of the person? Ankar. O-N-K-A-R? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, uh, he's from India. He says, and uh, he, he's reading your book, Feeling Good, but he says that Feeling Good doesn't talk, uh, barely talks about OCD and more about depression. And he's asking for some referrals about OCD. Uh, which, which book? Maybe. Yeah, which book would be would be good for that? Sure. And then we have uh, another one from. Um, uh, this is from. I don't think we have a name for this uh, question. Um, anyhow, uh, this uh, this listener writes that um, he hasn't seen or she hasn't seen a, uh, a therapist specifically because. He doesn't want to go on medication or anything like that. He would like to do the uh, the therapy himself. The question is that uh, he gets anxiety and what he calls the OCD guilt complex over thoughts rather than the specific things. For example, thinking that I'm a horrible person for flirting with someone while I'm in a relationship, even though my significant other has specified that it is okay and to move on. Uh, he gets anxiety about things in the past and then ruminates over and over, thinking that if I think over, think about it, uh, I can get every detail that will let me know if I'm in the wrong. And then I finally convince myself that I'm anxious and about uh, and and it's okay. Uh, it revisits me in a few days and the cycle starts over. So uh, it's creating attention in his relationship and so on. So yes, he's he's saying that you know it's not about material events, but about thoughts. And if I think this way about this thought, then I'll think better. And yeah, it seems to be yeah. like a vicious circle. Oh yeah, yeah that these are definitely things to trap. Well, to give quick answers, and then we can really talk about yeah. the, the the treatment. Rajesh asks if, if it's organic and if it can be cured, one hundred percent. And um, we don't know the cause of. of any psychiatric dis- disorder, but I think we can say that it's very likely that all normal and abnormal human conditions have a genetic contribution as, as well as a psychological, environmental contribution. Yeah. We were talking nature at, and nurture. Yeah, yeah. At at, at lunch, you you talk about uh, let's take take the disorder shyness. There's an animal model for for shyness, and uh, again, I don't have the research uh, reference to this article, but it's one I read a number of years ago. I'm sure one could could find similar uh, references, research studies, but there there was some work on on pointer dogs Mm -hmm. that have a fear of humans, uh, human phobia, we can call it, from the moment of birth, depending on whether or not they have a particular gene, and and if they have this gene for for uh, what it's called homophobia, but we think of that as fear of homosexuality. I like, yeah, and, I like to call it anthropophobia to use the the yeah, Greek root for, for yeah, anthropophobia, human, human yeah. phobia. Yeah. But at any rate, if they carry this gene uh, from the moment they're born, when they first see humans, they cower, they shiver, their tail goes between their legs, and they hide. They're terrified of human beings. If they don't have this particular gene, uh, when they're born, uh, when they see a human being, they rush over, they're excited, they, they lick your face, they're perfectly happy and relaxed and, and excited. So that would be a 100% genetic model for what, what we think of as, as shyness. Uh, 
so all of these conditions may have a, a significant genetic contribution, just as if you're outgoing and happy, that there is, that's probably largely, largely genetic as, as well. But I think the good news is that whether these things have, a, to what extent they're genetic and biological, to what extent they're uh, psychological or environmental, my focus is more on treatment and on cure. And, and the answer to your question is I think that we, we can cause uh, dramatic, uh, oh, I see, familial anthropopia and po- pointer dogs. You found it there, uh, yeah. August 1979. Way, way to go, yeah. right on, on Google. <laughs> that is cool. And, uh, but, 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 yes, I, I have seen, uh, uh, you know, complete, pretty much complete elimination of symptoms in patients in obsessive-compulsive d- disorder, sometimes pretty, pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, sometimes it, it, it takes a little a little while, but purely with with psychological techniques, uh, I, I, I don't see medication as being necessary in, in the vast majority of, of, of cases. And my you own, don't think that anxiety medication like you no know, Xanax and things like this? Or? Well, the Xanax and things like that, I, I think, are absolutely should should not be used. That's my opinion. Right. I, I'm just stating my own personal yeah. way of doing therapy because they're they're addictive and they're in no way curative for any anxiety disorder. Right. They give you some temporary relief, but then you get you get you get hooked on them. Um, but I'll talk about some of the these really fabulous uh, techniques for, for for treating OCD because they they're incredibly interesting actually and kind of yeah. fun. Uh, which book? Onkar uh, uh, asked, uh, you know, he wasn't finding it and and feeling good. Uh, two of my books cover anxiety disorders. One is called The Feeling Good Handbook that I wrote eight years after I wrote Feeling Good, mm-hmm. and that has a lot on anxiety disorders, including the hidden emotion model that we'll be talking about t- today. And also my book, uh, When Panic Attacks, it's, it's like Feeling Good, but it's on all of the anxiety disorders, including OCD, and it has 40 techniques for defeating every conceivable kind of uh, anxiety. So that would be a good one, too, for, for people who are trying to do uh, self-treatment for uh, an anxiety disorder. Yeah, When Panic Attacks uh, has a lot of techniques in there. I really like that book. Yeah. Well, my daughter edited it, and, and she, she was a great editor, so it's actually better written than some of my, my earlier uh-huh. books. Yeah. Um, so let's, should we, should let's we dive Let's look at the hidden here? emotion, yeah, because that's, I think that a lot of people are yeah. uh, curious well, about Well, let this. me just start out by saying, in our earlier podcast, I mentioned that I don't have one treatment for a disorder, right? And I think that's an error in in the field, right. just to think that you're, you're going to have this this treatment for depression, this technique for depression, and this te- technique for for anxiety. I, I use fifty to seventy five techniques I've developed or, or, or learned, uh, and they could all be helpful for people with any uh, di- diagnosis. But when I'm treating any form of anxiety, I use those four treatment models. I, I'll use the, the cognitive model. Yeah. I'll, I'll be using 10 or 12 you know, cognitive therapy techniques. I'll be using the hidden emotion te- technique always. I'll be using the motivational uh, approaches dealing with outcome and process resistance that we've talked about in previous podcasts. And I'll also use the exposure and, and response prevention uh, te- techniques. A lot of people treat... Yeah. OCD with exposure and response prevention, for example, thinking exclusively, that, yeah. exclusively, and yeah. I think that that's a huge, huge error because although exposure and response prevention are 
helpful uh, for many patients with OCD. Yeah. They're, they're rarely completely curative. And we have all these other powerful tools, and, and if you use all these tools together, you maximize your opportunity for the uh, near 100% or near 100% elimination of symptoms. Yeah, and, and I would like to refer our listeners back to uh, podcast uh, episodes 22 and subsequent ones in our series that uh, we call Scared Stiff that goes over all of these different models uh, for anxiety. Yeah. So right. uh, that would be a good review for people who... Uh, to know what they were talking, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Now uh, we could look at these models in any particular order, but but, but we can kind of <clears throat> dive in on the on the hidden emotion model again as one of the four strategies yeah. I use in treating uh, OCD, and I think listeners will find it uh, illuminating. And and the the basic idea behind it is is that certain of us are kind of programmed from birth or from upbringing. To think we've got to be so so exceptionally nice uh, to 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 everyone all the time, and most of the time when you have someone with any anxiety disorder, you including OCD, you, you you're working with someone who's like extraordinarily nice, and and uh, while it's really fun and pleasant to interact with a, a nice pleasant person, we had someone came on the a Sunday hike, a young a young man came mm-hmm. up from. Southern California, who has a kind of a OCD type of thing, and he's he's preoccupied with excessive excessive sweating and thinking somehow this makes him, you know, abnormal or undesirable. But he was just this incredibly incredibly nice fellow, really 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 pleasant and fun to interact with, and a delight to to work with. And and I think he made some tremendous uh, tremendous progress on, on, on that. In fact. I mean, I'm kind of going astray, but but one of the the, the techniques that that was helpful uh, to, to him, among many others that we did on the hike, we went for dim sum afterwards. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, you know help him get over his shame. We we asked him to approach strangers. Uh, and, right, a shame attacking exercise, like uh, yeah. we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 say by the way, I, I want you to know that I sweat like crazy because I'm a real nervous guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm even sweating now. And you can just see like the sweat breaks out on his uh, on his face. And I told him, and then also tell people, and the reason I'm telling you is because I've been hiding it all my life because I'm real, I'm really uh, kind of ashamed of it and really yeah. kind of uh, kind of kind of shy. And uh, so he was a good egg, and he he did this a uh, couple times in the in the Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and so then as as we were leaving, I said, tell tell these three three guys because uh, they 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 were kind of like gangster looking guys, <laughs> guys. <laughs> and so he went up to them and, and said, listen, uh, and by the way, this is a very handsome fellow, and he's, uh, you know, he's not. He, he looks like he's got it all together. You know, uh, like, yeah, like, yeah, like one of the the beautiful. You, you would you would never doubt, it, you yeah. know, sub, uh, suspect that, that uh, this is going on. Yeah, yeah, and and so I said, go up and tell these three guys. So he's really kind of terrified, and, mm-hmm. and he goes up and he starts saying, you know, I want you guys to know that I've had uh, this problem with sweating, and uh, you know, I, I just sweat like crazy sometimes, and I'm really 
you know, kind of really anxious, worrying about it and uh, thinking people are going to be offended and I'm almost trying to hide it. And so today I decided I wasn't going to be ashamed anymore and I'm just going to start telling people. And that's why I decided to tell you guys. And by the way, as he was talking, these guys look angrier and angrier, like they're some gang members. They're going to like beat the, beat the tar out of us or something, <laughs> you know. And then when he finished, this, this fellow reached out and, and hugged him. And he said, I am so proud of you. He says, I just came out two months ago, and I just think you're fantastic. <laughs> and they, he had tears in his eyes. Hey. And and this kid, he just couldn't believe it, mm. that, that this thing that he'd been so ashamed of, when he opened up and, and shared this in this kind of humble and kind and op- open way, instead of being turned off, suddenly somebody you know feels so close to him and it, it's absolutely the truth that his his flaw see i would be intimidated by a kid like this because he's in some fraternity and he's going to become very wealthy right yeah do, do you know what i'm talking about and he's yeah, handsome he's got everything for going for him yeah yeah and and so you kind of automatically feel like he's not my kind of person you know, you know like he i don't like him he's not going to like me, but then when he shows his vulnerability, suddenly you you feel so cl- close well, to him. In, in this particular vignette, I think that there there's something more to it because the other guy hugged him not simply because of the vulnerability, but also because of the courage to admit it. Yeah. I think that was the the key point, which had taken courage in his life too. To talk yeah, about exactly. His, so he could re- resonate with that. Yeah. yeah. But any but any rate, that's the kind of person. You you see, he's just so nice and so worried he's going to be offending offending somebody. And and the thing about the, the niceness model is that often under the surface of the symptom of anxiety, in his case, kind of intense social anxiety, but also especially true in OCD, there's some emotion that the person is not expressing that that they're kind of that they're they're kind of bottling up. Mm-hmm. And 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 if if you can help them get in touch with that that suppressed or repressed or hidden emotion and verbalize it, often you'll see a marked improvement, often a total elimination of the symptoms of anxiety, including OCD. And it's great to know about this model because I would say ninety nine percent of the people who are treating OCD are not even aware of this of this treatment uh, te- technique, which is so healing for so many people with OCD. So I'm going to give some three or four vignettes yeah. uh, here to to bring this to life. And then in the next podcast, we can talk about, uh, you know, exposure and response prevention with some really fantastic right. uh, vignettes as, yeah. as, as well. But um, I was referred a, and I'll disguise things a, a little bit, but when as I... As you usually do, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, let's say here at, at uh, uh, I was referred uh, a Stanford... Uh, uh, medical student who who was uh, j- just an absolutely uh, top top medical student, and, but he had been treated for years uh, for for OCD, and his uh, obsession was that he would have this this thought: uh, I I wonder if I've gotten AIDS or HIV in some way, mm-hmm. uh, and and there wasn't any rationale for it because he he wasn't having he was engaged he he and his fiance were uh, faithful to to each other uh, uh, but he he would think oh well maybe i drew blood on a, a hospital patient with hiv and then pricked myself with a needle and then forgot yeah 
And he'd say, well, how can I know for sure that I, that that didn't happen? Like it could have happened. And he'd work himself into a state of intense anxiety and, and then he'd go to the library and start reading journal articles on OCD to see if he had this symptom or that symptom. No, I mean on HIV. On HIV, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. On AIDS. And, and eventually he'd go to the emergency room and persuade them to do a blood test for, for HIV. Uh, and of course they always came back negative and then he'd be relieved for a few days until the whole... Until it came back, yeah. yeah. So the... There's obsess- never full relief when you're, when you indulge your compulsions, yeah. Yeah. And so again, the obsession is this belief, I'm, maybe I'm dying of AIDS. And the compulsive ritual in his case was going to get a blood test. To, to get to get relief, well, uh, other faculty members had treated him with all of their best stuff and had made no dent in it whatsoever. And I was using all my cognitive stuff and my exposure and response prevention, all this stuff. But I wasn't I wasn't making a dent in it. I'd, I'd had about eight or ten sessions with him and then he called me on a Saturday in an emergency and it suddenly crossed my mind what was going on we'll ask the listeners see if they can figure it out we'll have to turn <laughs> off the once I, I, I give the hint here right um, so yeah see make, if, make a pause here and, and pause the, yeah, the podcast yeah. see if you can figure out what the hidden emotion was but what he called me and he says Dr. Burns I it's Saturday and, and I'm having the overwhelming compulsion to, to go to the emergency room and, and get a a test for, you know, a blood test for an HIV because I I, I have this fear that I'm I'm dying of AIDS, um, and and I said, well, um, t- tell me what's what what's going on, and he said, well, I've got some exams next week, and uh, and my my fiance had a reunion in up in New England or something. She's going to fly up to. New England for a high school reunion, and and it made sense for me not to go with her uh, because I've got to stay home and study. Study, yeah. Uh, but uh, fifteen minutes after she left, uh, I, I started uh, feeling like I was dying of, of AIDS, and now I, I just can't. I'm just fighting this compulsion to to go and, and get a blood test. And I think I need an emergency session. Um, and at that moment, it, it just hit me like lightning what what the hidden emotion was. And, and again, to, to help you out a little bit as listeners, what the hidden emotion model says is that some of us are nice. We think we have to be nice all the time. And so if you have an emotion that you think you're not supposed to have, it comes out indirectly. You sweep it under the rug. And instead of admitting to yourself how you're feeling emotionally, you, 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 you become anxious. Huh? Yeah. You become anxious. Yeah, you, you become anxious, and it could be a panic attack. It can be, in his case, OCD. It can be a, a phobia. I've seen it with like an airplane phobia, fear of flying, it, it, or chronic worrying about, yeah. about your family. It, it can be anything. So what I would say now is ask yourself, what was this medical student uh, not admitting to, to himself? Yeah. Uh, and, and just... Just put the pause button on on your recording device. If if you're not driving, if you're at home, you might even just jot down a couple things. But I'll give you some hints. The the hidden problem is never buried in the past. Mm -hmm. It's buried in the present. It's something that's happening, you know, yesterday or today. It's something very recent that's bothering the person. And a second hint is that the form that the anxiety takes 
is, is often a symbolic expression of what the, the, the suppressed feeling or hidden problem is. Okay, so let's reveal the answer. Okay, but have they turned off the tape recorder well, yet? Well, we don't the know. Sound we don't know. <laughs> well, turn it off now. We're, we're, just ho we're hoping they ma do. Make a guess. And by the way, don't worry about making a wrong guess because usually your guesses will be wrong, but only the patient can, can, can come exact, up with it. So, exactly, but it's, it's yeah. important to make a guess so you can get your patient thinking along these lines, even if you can't get exactly what, what the thing is. Okay. So, okay, so they've now. turned it off. <laughs> pause it off. <laughs> okay. and now they've turned no, no, it back on. Yeah. Okay. So here's here is the thing. I I told him, listen, we'll call him Ralph. Uh, I, I tell you what, um, he wanted you want an emergency session. Why why don't we have an emergency session first thing Monday morning? But what I want you to do is come in with your girlfriend. You said she's coming back sun, Sunday night. Uh huh. And uh, I, I'd like you to to, to come in with her right, because I right. think I know right. I know what the what the answer is and and uh, what what I was my hypothesis was that when she left he started to get real lonely and upset in in some way uh, it could have been anger because she's going to a reunion without him it could have been. Loneliness, but some emotion that he he wanted, uh, that he felt that you know he he shouldn't have or he shouldn't express that, and so he came in with his girlfriend, and uh, I, I encouraged them just to do some kind of marital therapy one hundred and one. They're they're engaged, and mm -hmm. you know, it's just some couples express your feelings. What did the other person say? And I just encouraged him to say how he really felt, and and what was going on with him is is that he he felt really lonely. He'd he he kind of wanted to tell her, you know, I although I have to stay home and study, I'm going to be really lonely with you, and I kind of wish, on some level, you weren't going. And 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 and, and he said, I and the reason I I I I didn't think I could say these things is I thought it was unmanly, and 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 that you would think less of me. That I, that meant I was 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 kind of weak. So he could not admit to feeling lonely. That was the, yeah. the hidden emotion. Yeah, Loneliness. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. That he's supposed to be a man. A man is supposed to be strong. And so uh, he he took the courage with my you know little suggestion uh, to to do this as an experiment. And then when and how how do you think that he he uh, admitted to that so readily? I mean, if if he would not admit it to himself, how, well, how I told him. You know, I talked to him first. I said, "Do you think this is going on?" And then I said, "If would you be willing to express this, sir? Because this is what I think you must do uh -huh. to to defeat the OCD." The OCD. So, so had, once you put it to him, he admitted it to himself. Yes, first. yes. And then I said, "I, I think you've you've got to bring this into your relationships yeah. with 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 other people." Yeah, and. Um, and so when he, but it was terrifying for him to 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 do this. Yeah. And this is like a form of exposure, right? To expose who you are as a human being. And then when he told her that, she uh, burst into tears and put her arms around him and and said, "It just, I can't tell you how grateful I am to hear you talking like this. Mm -hmm. and it makes me love you so much. And I've just been waiting, waiting, you know, for for us to be able to relate on this 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 level and it just he couldn't believe it and he blew his it, it blew his mind and at the end of the session he says dr burns 
I'm cured. My fears of AIDS and HIV, it just, it's totally disappeared for, for the first time in like, you know, 10 years. Mm -hmm. He'd been struggling with this and seeking treatment unsuccessfully. And I said, well, Ralph, you know, the, the good news is you're now, uh, you know, permanently and irreversibly and totally cured of OCD. And it, it only took about three minutes in the session for that to happen. And the even better news is your OCD will come back over and over for the rest of your life. And, and, he, and he said, well, why, why is that the even better news? And we might ask the listener again now before we give you the answer, why is that so desirable for him to have these fears of AIDS and to come back? You know why, Fabrice? You probably do. Well, before answering that question, if if it's going to be coming back over and over again, how could you say that he's cured? Well, um, we we can actually, um, but but the listener has to figure <laughs> out why is it highly desirable for him to have this tendency. Well, well I would say that for somebody who works in the medical environment, it. It's good to be vigilant about infections, no? No, no that's not it. What, what it is, uh, I mean, that's certainly good common sense, but that's not hitting the nail on the head. You see, what it is, is is that he'll probably never know in real time what his feelings are. And so when he's not expressing his feelings to somebody, uh, he will... Uh, develop the belief uh, that I'm dying of AIDS. And that's his body's way of tipping him off you're not expressing something you need to express. And so he said, whenever for the rest of your life you start to get this feeling, I'm dying of AIDS, that's a great thing because that's your body's mechanism, your body's way of telling you See, that you're not uh, owning up to something. And then you can figure out who you're upset with and express the feeling, and then it will it will disappear. So you're looking at that as the alarm bell. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're kind of, again, reframing it. It's not an illness anymore. It's it's an asset that you have. It's your body's way, kind of like pain, of telling you, "Hey, take your hand off the hot stove." But this is a different kind of different kind of signal. I would say that uh, you know, allow me to kind of expand on this. Um, negative emotions like anxiety and and depression are also alarm bells. What they're telling us is that we are attaching to some uh, negative thought that is distorted. Yeah, that's true, too. So the alarm bell says yeah. there's a distortion in there. Oh, yeah, ab ab absolutely. That's another way of looking at it. Well, that was, I, I saw him one more time for a little relapse prevention training, and I never heard from him again. And then, yeah. surprisingly, I got a phone call from him about six months ago. Oh, okay. And, and he said, do you remember me? How this long ago did you first see him? Of 40 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and uh, so I got some... He said, do you remember me? I said, my gosh, how long has it been? It seems like it's been about more than a week or two. Because I can remember every conversation. It was like I'd, I'd just seen him seven days Well, you have earlier. a great memory, David. Yeah. Well, for these things, I, I forget people's names. I forget people's faces. But I never forget their souls. Mm. And uh, so I said, oh, this is fantastic. How, how, how are you doing? And... Uh, what, what are you doing now? He says, well, I'm, and again, I'll disguise this slightly, but he says, I'm the, the chairman of the Department of Cardiology at Harvard Medical School. Because mm -hmm. he had been, like, first in his class. He, he was kind of a genius guy. Right. And I said, well, how, how's your OCD? And, and he says, oh, it's just exactly what you said. 99% of the time, I'm 100% cured. 
with no symptoms whatsoever that uh, three minutes in your office was a cha- changed my life when I opened up to my yeah. to my girlfriend who's now my wife. But he said, every now and then, I'll get the uh, idea that I'm dying of AIDS, and I'll get all this creepy feeling, and I'll think I've got to go and get a blood test. And then I did what you told me to do. I, I go through my appointment book hour by hour, <laughs> and I say, who am I pissed off at? You know, who am I? And then I'll figure out who it is, and I express my feelings, and then instantly it, it, it disappears. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. And, and then I said, why are you calling? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he said, oh. I've been doing, listening to your podcast. Yeah, he says, I've been doing research on anxiety and cardiac uh, symptoms. Uh-huh. And I was wondering if I could use your Burns anxiety inventory in my research. Uh-huh. I said, I'd be honest, honored. Go for it. Yeah. But it was so, so, so cool. Um, but that would be uh, one example of the, uh, of the hidden emotion uh, of the hidden emotion technique. It's such a cool technique and so helpful, I think, to all of our listeners who struggle with any form of anxiety. I think it could could be really neat to, to give a, a few more vignettes, uh, OCD examples with hidden emotions. Maybe one I'm, or two because we're, we're coming to uh, the end of our Well, podcast. I'm thinking maybe we could finish this one and then yeah. and do a few more of these. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to have another uh, yeah. podcast on hidden emotion. I guess, yeah, yeah. Because, well, I don't know, for me, they're, they're, they're fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, uh, all right, well, cause so, so we'll, we'll, we'll do the next vignettes in the next episode, I guess. Uh, and I would like to remind our listeners, you know, if they like our podcast and, and, uh, numbers seem to indicate that people are, are signing up to, to listen to it, to show your support. Uh, please uh, click on the uh, um, subscribe or, or leave a review button at the bottom of the show notes or go directly from your iTunes program into ratings and reviews. You can also support us by uh, forwarding the uh, feelinggood.com uh, podcast page to friends uh, talking about it. And, and especially please leave some comments in the show notes so that we know what you want to hear about, and what's of interest to you. So all those are ways for you to, to support us. Okay. So thank you, Fabrice. It's uh, always a pleasure. All right. Thank you, David. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com, where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page, and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. Mm-hmm.